Let's just give Matt and his wife, Karen, a great hand of appreciation. Great weekend. Good weekend together. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Good evening, everybody. How are we tonight? How many are believing and expecting God to do something tonight in your life? He is about to do something wonderful because of his great love and his grace. I just want to tell you, wow, what a, an amazing church that's here at Morningstar Fellowship in Quakertown and Pennsburg. I physically wasn't with Pennsburg today, but I was on camera, right? I was on video. But I am so thankful for meeting you and, and seeing you. I've, I've talked with many of you already, and I want to tell you one of the things that I love about coming into a church, into the local church and ministering, is meeting my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We're family, and I love it. I love hearing your stories. I hear what God is doing, and I'm expecting God to do even more in your life. Uh, pastors, I am so thankful for you. You guys are amazing. You're amazing leaders. How many here believe you have amazing pastors here at Morningstar Fellowship? And you know they have that saying, the best is yet to come. Well, there are great things in store because I know there's a lot burning in your hearts. There's a vision in your heart. And God isn't done. And he's wanting to do so much more in this church, in this local church right here and in Pennsburg. And he wants to reach this community here in Quakertown. How many believe that God loves Quakertown? Pennsylvania. He died for them, and we saw that this morning. Thank you again for inviting us and having us here tonight, and I just want to remind you, uh, after service, again, I got a devotional that I wrote, and it's called 40 Days to Freedom. You can purchase it at our ministry table, and uh, it's a great 40-day devotional to get you closer to Jesus, and it really teaches you how to overcome and have victory in your life. And, um, and to really learn what God has already provided for you. He has already provided the freedom that's needed in your life to live the abundant life that Jesus came here for, for your life. Also, just to remind you, this hasn't been said uh, by my wife or, or I to you, but we have a website called encounterfreedom.net. Please visit that website. Um, also, with that website, when the whole uh, coronavirus happened last year, uh, we knew that a lot of people weren't able to get out and go to church and and so what my wife and I did for nine weeks straight, uh, we were live on Facebook, and there are really, there's an introduction and then eight chapters in this book. You could actually go along with those videos on that website with us, and it will help you. We teach, I teach one principle in, in one of those chapters, in those sections, and you could follow along if you want in the book with our videos, all right? Uh, I mean, we're kind of talking to people sometimes because it was live on Facebook, so it may seem a little weird at times, but it, we give you the principles, a little bit of a teaching to help you with that book. Also in the ministry table, we have a sign-up for our uh, ministry newsletter you could sign up for. You could get it through email or by mail, and we also have just uh, a mission card that just talks about, again, who we are. But again, enough about us here tonight. I want, really want to get into the Word of God. How many are hungry for God here tonight? We want to hear from him and let him do what only God can do in our lives. Can we pray? Before we get into the word tonight, we're going to be talking about fully trusting in what God says. And so we're going to be talking about believing and not doubting tonight, all right? So let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for who you are. Lord, we are honored. We are humbled. We are thankful that you are a God of freedom, that you have come to set the captives free. And as we saw this morning, Lord, we're so thankful that you are a God of redemption, that you have paid the price, that we are we once were captives, but now we are completely free because the payment has once for all 
sufficiently been paid fully for us. And so now the free gift of redemption is ours, and now we could run forward in the, the fields of grace, and we can live the abundant life, the freedom, the life of freedom with you and with your presence, Lord. We pray tonight, oh God, that you will just help us to hear what you want to say. I pray whatever is needed in people's lives tonight. Jesus, many times in the gospel, you said, tell me what you need. And Lord, I pray that every person that is here, here in Morningstar Fellowship, God, that they will hear and understand your voice tonight, that they will sense your presence, that you're there to touch them and to meet their need. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. Let's get into the word tonight. Again, we're talking about fully trusting in what God says. Genesis chapter 2. And, um, you know, it's really important to understand that when a word is spoken, really a word, when someone speaks the word, any kind of word, when you're communicating with your spouse or you're communicating with somebody, when somebody talks or speaks, communicates by speaking their words, a word will only go as far as someone's character. Because if, let's for instance, if you, had, if you were speaking a word and you some, knew somebody was saying something to you, but you knew that person's character and their nature uh, was, was lying nature, it was a cheating nature, it was a selfish nature, how many here today you would fully trust in that word of that somebody because of their nature that you knew of? You wouldn't trust that word because you understand the nature of that person. Again, a word will only go as far as someone's character and nature. And the good news is here tonight that when we look at the word of God and when God speaks to us in his word, that when God speaks, it comes from a holy, flawless nature. So that means when God promises something in his holy, inspired, flawless word, we call it, it's flawless and it's holy and it's inspired and we could trust in something that is perfect because God himself is perfect. God is holy. Out of his holiness comes perfect love. Out of his holiness comes perfect wisdom. The holiness of God is amazing, isn't it? How many love when you're worshiping the Lord and you sense just the presence of God and you, and you just completely feel the, the holiness of God that is with you? Isn't that amazing? Well, the good news is, is that when God speaks to us and we have the full inspired word, there are so many principles and promises in his word that are actually to us. And if you're born again and you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, you have promises that have already been provided for you, but what you need to do is know that promise and to take it by faith. It's a free gift. There are promises that the Lord has given to us and the wonderful thing is the word that God speaks, think about this for a moment. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Remember when God was created in the earth, the Bible says, God said, everyone say said. said. All right, isn't that cool? You said, said. <laughs> everyone say that again. Say said. said. God spoke it. God spoke. He said, let there be light. And that word that came from God was powerful. There was life in the word. Well, let me just say this to you, that the Bible says, the word of God says, that the word is living and active. When Jesus, in John chapter six, if you look there, and this isn't, I was just thinking of this, in John chapter six, Jesus was teaching some things, and there were some hard sayings that he was teaching. And the Bible says that many of his disciples, he had more than 12, 
He had many disciples. It said many of his disciples walked with him no more because what, what he was teaching was really hard to understand, and they didn't grasp it. They were like, this is too hard. This is too complicated. We're leaving Jesus. We're not going to be with him anymore. And so they left Jesus, and then Jesus turned to the 12. He said, are you also going to be turning away from me? And Peter said something which was so powerful. He said, Jesus, he said, to whom shall we go? Your words have life. In other words, when Jesus speaks, when we understand the word of God, when we look at his principles, oh, I pray tonight that you will not lose the hunger and the thirst and the desire to hear what God has to say. Just think of this for a moment. You have needs in your life, and some days you may have your Bible that's shut for days. You may have the Bible that's just shut for weeks. And you're saying, man, I have these problems, I have these needs, and, and I don't know about God providing for me, I don't know if God will heal me, I don't know God, if God's going to encourage me, but God is wanting you to open up his word, which is so powerful, so packed, the same power that spoke light into this world comes from these pages because they come from God himself. So the word of God is perfect, it is, it is powerful because it comes from an amazing source, and the source is God himself. And because God is holy, and because he's perfect, and the words that he speaks is perfect because it comes out of his nature, that means you and I can trust this word fully because God never makes a mistake. He never knows, he's never not knowing what to do, and he knows perfectly what to do for your life through his word. He has given it to you. The words that are in this book, the words that are here, aren't dead they're not dormant. When you read it, it is full of life because it is full of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? So with that being said, let me just say this to you, that all that God has for us, he has provided for us, but we have an enemy that we talked a little bit about this morning that wants you to believe otherwise. He does not want you to believe the word, trust the word, depend on the word. He does not want the word of God to be believed, and he has a scheme and he has a way of working in your life. And let me just say this to you. It's a secret, but it's really not a secret. It was revealed in the Word. That the way that the enemy works in your life about the Word of God, he still does the same thing that he did to Adam and Eve. He's doing the old tricks. And what's amazing to me is that the old tricks still work. But when God reveals it to us and he exposes the schemes of the enemy, then we are able to take these schemes and we are able to say, okay, now that I know the truth, I know that I could be free. Jesus said this. He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. There's a condition for your freedom. It's if you are abiding in the word of God. In other words, the word of God is basically your home. Paul says, let the word of God dwell in you richly, right? Jesus said, if my words abide in you and you abide in me, you could ask for anything and it will be done. You want power in your prayer, asking God for doing amazing things in your life, in your family, in your finances, in this community? Man, let the word of God continue, maybe begin again, be refreshed and revived for it to live in you like never before, and then you will know his will and you'll be able to pray amazing things and see what God does. But there is, there is something that the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Paul said this. He said, don't be ignorant Basically, he's saying, I mean, he's just being blunt. He's being blunt. He's saying, listen, don't be stupid about the devil's schemes. <laughs> In 
In other words, I don't want you to lack understanding on how the devil works. The, the, the literal word schemes in the Greek literally means thoughts of the mind or plans. In other words, Paul is saying, inspired by the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to be ignorant of the schemes of the devil in your life. Because the devil has schemes, he has purposes, and he has plans in every area of your life. But the good news is that Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God has plans for you. And he has schemes. It's not evil. It says he has thoughts towards you. You see, when the enemy thinks of you, he thinks of destruction like we saw this morning. But when God thinks of you, when he thinks of your life, even though your life may not look like it right now, even though you may have needs, the Bible says, for, he says, for I know the thoughts I have towards you, and God says my thoughts to you are peace, not evil. Amen. My thoughts and my plans are for, and my purposes for you is to give you a future and to give you hope. So we see that God has a plan, he has thoughts towards us, but we can't be ignorant of the devil's schemes. And so let's look at Genesis chapter 2 for a moment. And so Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 to 17, the Bible says, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, check this out, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. If God isn't a God of freedom, I don't know. <laughs> he, said to, he said, out of the tree, out of, out of the garden, you could freely eat any tree except there's only one. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So God warned them. He warned them. He said, listen, Adam, you can eat anything. There's only one law. <laughs> I only have one command, one. One. Not ten commandments. Not commandments throughout, like the Old Testament we got. And, and he says, I have only one thing. You can have everything in this garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you can't eat. And I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna warn you because I don't, I'm not a, a God who gives you surprises. I'm warning you, if you eat of this tree, you're gonna die. But everything else, you could freely eat. I am a God of freedom, but I'm also a God of protection. And so I'm warning you, don't eat this. Now let's look at Genesis chapter three. And there, I wanna share three things to you, three schemes. These are general ways and how the enemy works in our life about the word of God. And we're going to go through this quickly, and then we're going to look at the, 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 uh, the life of Abraham. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He's already twisting the word of God. Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. She was right. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So we see here three ways that the devil works. Number one, when, when God says something to us, the devil wants us to doubt what God says. Genesis 3.1, he says, the serpent says, has God indeed said, and that's what he says to you, no matter what he says in the promise of God, it could be about healing, it could be about strength, it could be about, about uh, direction in your life, it could be about trusting in the nature of God and that God is love and, and trusting that God loves you and he has compassion and that God is uh, that he's a forgiving God and, and that he forgives all your sin. 
and when the, this word that we're reading and, and pastors teaching it on a Sunday morning and we get the word of God in our lives, the devil comes in and says right away, has God really said that about you? Has God really said he loves you? Look at what you did. Has God really said that he's gonna heal you? You just got more sick and you've been praying for it. And has God really said, and so on and so on, he wants you to doubt what God says. And that's a dangerous place for you to believe because he, the, the enemy wants you to doubt exactly the truth of what God says. But remember, God speaks out of his character and his nature, which is perfect and holy. The second thing that the devil, the second thing that devil does, uh, his second scheme in our lives, is not only to doubt what God said, but doubt who God is. Now, this is major. Everyone say major. This is huge. Genesis 3, 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know what the devil does about the word of God? God tells us to do something. Maybe he calls us to, to obey him in a particular area. And we say, Lord, this is hard. It's hard to surrender. And God says, listen, you obey me here. I promise you this. And I've given you that promise. And the devil says this. Listen, he says, no, has God indeed said that? No, uh, no. God, God, listen, this is what God is doing to you. He's keeping you from something that you should have. And what the devil does is he paints the wrong picture of the nature and the character of God. And I know each and every one of you have felt that at some point in your life, where the enemy is trying to blind you and fog you and to show you that God isn't loving, God isn't compassionate, God isn't powerful here, God isn't a healer. And so he fogs the nature and the character of God and the, the greatest way that he does that is when you go through trials, when you go through heartaches, when you're going through a tough time, when you're praying to God and you don't see an answered prayer yet. And so what he does, the devil does, is listen, not only does he say, you don't need to obey God here because he's, he's keeping something nice from you. He's keeping something pleasurable from you. God is, is, is doing something wrong to you. He's, he's, he doesn't want you, Adam and Eve, to taste of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because God knows that if you do that, you will be like him. Oh, and to be like him is good, so you need to taste of it. I am telling you that you need to taste this in your life, and you need to do it so that you can have freedom. And what happens is we begin to do that, and then we face the consequences of it. You see, the enemy wants to paint the wrong picture of who God is, and I want to tell you something right now. Your freedom in your life, it is absolutely mandatory for you to know the truth of who God is in his true nature. Let me give you an example. If you believe that God is an angry, judgmental God who is waiting to judge you, hurt you, punish you, let me ask you a question. How is your prayer life going to be? He's not too approachable, is he? Let me ask you a question. Why would you tell Quakertown about the love of Jesus if you feel like God doesn't love you right now? He paints the wrong picture and nature of God and so that you are blinded to the truth of God so that you can't follow God closely. You won't hunger for God. You won't want for God. So my question is here this morning, Maybe today you are like Peter in John 22 that says that Jesus, that, that Peter followed Jesus at a distance, that you are a Christian, you go to church sometimes, 
maybe you're not really committed fully to God. It's because you have the wrong picture of God. And the reason why you have the wrong picture of God is because you doubt God's goodness and his word of who he is because you're listening to the enemy lying to you about the nature of God. And a lot of times it's because of what you're going through, the trials, the hurts, the heartaches, the non-answered prayer. And so the devil's points, it says, yep, God can't be trusted. Has he really said this? I told you he's not doing it, so that's not who God is. And in fact, this is the dangerous part. When we see God the wrong way, not only will we continue fully in freedom in pursuing God and living for God, but whatever your image of God is, is what you will reflect to the world. And so you're going and you understand God in the wrong way, in the wrong nature, and in the wrong character, and, and you're not pursuing God. And so the world sees, yeah, that, yeah, I know he goes there, or I know that that person said he's a Christian, and wow, that, I don't think I want to serve the Lord because they're really angry, because they're cursing, and because they don't forgive, and because they're not merciful, and and because they don't want to listen to me and they don't care about me. And, and so, because we are reflecting the image of who we believe God is. And that's what the enemy does. He changes the nature of God before us. It's a lie. So he makes us doubt the word of God. He makes us doubt the nature of God. And thirdly, he makes us doubt the consequences of disobeying God's word and nature. In Genesis 3, 4, the Bible says, the serpent said to the woman, he flat out lied. He says, you will not surely die. Well, we know, obviously, that that's a lie, right? How many has ever gone to a funeral before? I have. Many. <laughs> it's painful. It's hurt. Even when it's a believer, it's, it's, it's not a fun thing. But let me just say this. This is generally how the enemy works in your life when it comes to the Word of God. He wants you to doubt his Word, doubt the consequences, and doubt the nature of God. Now, there are three things that we're going to look at. Turn to Genesis 12 for a moment. In the life of Abraham... There are three things. There are three, I call these the enemies of faith. And these enemies of faith, you may have never thought of are enemies of faith. In fact, when we look at these three things, these three uh, principles here today, the enemy will use these things, but in fact, in and of themselves, they are not evil. They are not bad. In fact, God created them. But the enemy uses what God creates and distorts it to keep us from believing fully in what God says for our lives. And as pastor said, how many want to believe God for what God has promised in our lives? I sure do. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. We know the story of Abraham, and I'm going to talk to him as Abram because this is what he is here. It says, chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Wow, this is amazing. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. I mean, how many times do we hear God telling Abraham, blessed, 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 blessed? How many want that type of God, right? Well, guess what? We do serve that type of God. God is a God of blessing. He loves to bless his children. Well, here is a great command to Abram. Abram, I'm so used to Abraham. He was Abraham. We'll show you that in a moment. There was such a great, there was such a great command to Abram from God, and along with that came a great blessing. And 
there were some things that Abram did. He was, he was promised by God that in him all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He said, I will make you a great nation. And so uh, this is an amazing blessing. I, I love it how Abram heard, God, he heard what God said. He believed what God said. He moved from his family, from his country. He went out in faith, and he believed God. And he had a journey of faith, and he had steps of faith. I talk a little bit about it in, my, in the, the devotional. But I'm going to show you three things that Abram went through that you and I go through all the time. And what are these three enemies of faith? These three principles, these three, uh, these three experiences that Abram experienced that caused him to think about his life and to cause him to understand, okay, I will either believe God's word or I will not believe God's word. Number one, the first thing that the enemy uses against our faith is sight. Sight. Now let me ask you a question. How many are thankful for sight right now? It's a good thing, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus, right? But sight can be used against us when it comes to faith. Sight will give you the truth in the natural realm, but sight will never give you the truth in the unseen. What we need to do is get eyes of faith. You see, faith is the eyesight of God. When we have faith and we believe in what God says, what we are doing is we are actually believing and seeing from God's perspective. When we just base our faith on what we see naturally, we will never be free in what God says to us in his word. Because what we see many times in the natural is not the, the reality of what God has promised yet, right? Paul said it this way. He said, I walk by faith, not by what? Sight. Right, because sight, even though it's a blessing, it could hurt us and keep us from believing exactly what God wants us to believe in his word. And so I could see naturally, but spiritually I could be missing it. So we need to ask God, Lord, increase my faith so that I could see from God's perspective and not my own finite, small, human, don't know everything, though we act like it, right? Come on, how many of we act like it? From my own perspective, when it comes to the plan of God and the word of God and the promises of God, I know there are some things that right now you're praying for. God hears your heart. He hears what your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking. And he knows what you're praying for, what you're believing for. And you're getting discouraged because you can't see the realization of it. But I want to encourage you this morning not to walk by sight, but to walk by faith. And faith says, okay, I am not going to see it from my perspective. I want to see it from God's perspective. We talked at the uh, the men's breakfast on Saturday, a little bit about Numbers 13, when, when uh, Moses commanded the 12 spies to go into the promised land and spy out the land. We talked about the 10 spies that came back. Actually, all 12 of them began with the same report, and it was right. They're like, oh my goodness, it's blessed. there's so much blessing. It's the, the, fer- the land is fertile, the fruit and the treasure. Oh, it's, it, this is a beautiful land that God uh, said that he would promise to us. And 10 spies said, but, 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 all right, Moses, we're going to disagree with the other two, but we see giants in the land. They are huge. They will devour us. Numbers 13.33 says that we are like grasshoppers in our own sight, and in their sight, we're like grasshoppers. I see wonderful things, Lord, in your promise, but I see giants that are before me. And so because I see the giants before me, God, 
I'm not going to believe you. I'm not going to trust your word. I'm not going to trust your promise. And I'm not going to walk into the promised land because there are giants that are bigger, greater, smarter. They're, they're, they're better than me. And there's no way that I could defeat these giants in my life. But there were two men that reported same but different. They said, yes, it is a beautiful land. Yes, there are giants. But Joshua and Caleb said, but we disagree with something. We are well able to overcome these giants because we have God on our side. They had a perspective with God. They brought God into the picture. But when we leave God out of the picture and we have our circumstance and we have our trials and we have our problems and we have our things that we're praying for that are so big and we're like, oh my goodness, I see what's wrong. I see the problems. I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could take a step of faith and obey God in my job. I don't know if I could take a step in the ministry. I don't know if I could take a step in my marriage and to love my wife or to love my husband. I don't know if I could take my step and be a more loving mom or a loving dad. I don't know if I can do it because there's a giant. I'm, I'm dealing with outside circumstances and inward battles. This is too big. I can't do it. And so we... We don't believe God because we are, we can't believe because we just see so much of the natural. And we fail to have the eyesight of God and to see through God's perspective. Sight, Abram, he was called out to a land of great blessing, but guess what? Guess what was the problem? I don't see no kids. I don't have children, Lord. I don't see it. Lord, you're calling me out of the land, and you're saying you're going to bless me? You're going to make me a great nation? I mean, you're not a, a nation, Lord? And, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So from me, my wife and I, me and Sarah, we're, we're gonna, all the nations are going to come from us. But Lord, um, I don't have kids. I don't see it. So he had a choice, either to believe what God is saying, even though it didn't look logical, it didn't look like anything was happening, right? He had to believe God. He had to go beyond sight. Number two, the second thing that the enemy will use towards us to shipwreck our faith, not believe in God's word and promise, it will keep us from living the abundant and free life that God wants, is feelings. Now, let me ask you a question. How many here have feelings? All right. Feelings are not evil, okay? Feelings are not bad. God created emotions God created feelings. We're not robots, thank the Lord, right? Uh, we, uh, we have feelings, but feelings and emotions were never created or purposed to be a guide in our life, but just to be a gauge. Our emotions and our feelings tell us something, but they can't lead us. Feelings are relative. It's not the truth all the time. It may agree with the truth, but it may not agree with the truth. You may have felt like this in the Christian life. Man, today, I slipped, I fell, I don't feel like God loves me. Feeling is not the truth. God loves you with an everlasting love. Today, I feel condemned, I feel like I am worth, hor I'm a horrible person. No, you might feel condemned, but the truth is that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I may not, I feel like I don't have strength today, I can't do it, no, but the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies, and the spirit is in you will give you the strength. So your feelings, and one day you may, man, I feel like God loves me. Well, based on what? Is it based on because you feel it at that moment? Man, I am so thankful, how many here today? I am so thankful that God is not dependent on my feelings. 
Because if God was dependent on my feelings, my faith would be woo, way up, way down, way up, way down. It is, he is not dependent on my feelings. What we need to do is to believe what God says beyond our feelings. We could feel good, we could feel smart, we could feel worthy. Another day, we're down in the dumps, we don't feel worthy, we may feel like, man, I'm just, I just don't feel it. Now listen, when God called Abram in Genesis chapter 12, Abram was 75 years old. He wasn't 20, saying, you got a great future, son. I'm gonna bless you and within all the... All the families of the earth will be blessed. I will make you a great nation. You're 20. No, he's 75 years old. He has to leave his family, his country, his comfort. He has to leave, but then he's like, okay, God, wait a second. You mean, you mean I'm going to have a baby? I'm 75. I have to change diapers now. I have to teach my son and daughters to walk now. I'm... I'm 75, Sarah, she's 65. She's the one who's gonna bear the child and the children, right? And so let me ask you a question. Do you think Abram felt like he would be a man where all the nations would come from him? He was 75 years old and he didn't feel it. I could tell you that right now. Abram had to go beyond the feeling and he had to believe the word of God that God, because you said it, because I know your nature is good, because I know that you have my best interest in mind because you love me, your plan is amazing, I'm gonna trust what you say. Even though I don't see it, I don't have a child. Thanks for the promise, Lord, I don't have a child. And I don't feel it, I'm 75 years old. Sarah, hey, guess what? <laughs> we're, gonna have, we're, gonna, we're gonna be blessed with children. Now, <laughs> right? Yep. The will of God and the word of God may not always feel like the promise is there. It may not feel like that you're gonna receive the promise of God, but it doesn't mean you're not gonna receive the promise of God based on what you feel. Truth is greater than your feeling. God's word is trustworthy because of who he is. Our feelings are not. The third thing that the enemy will use is time. Now, time, how many know that we are in time right now? Time is not bad. It's not evil. God created time, right? We know that God is timeless. He's eternal. There's no beginning or no end with him. But because of God's great goodness and his power, he created a beginning. And he created a beginning for us, right? But time, I want to tell you, time could be Satan's most horrible weapon when it comes to our faith. This is what happens. Some of you, you in your Christian life, you believe, okay, I believe I believe God's word. I know I don't see it, but I trust him. All right, I walk by faith, not by sight. And then here comes your feelings, and your feelings are like, okay, I don't feel like anything's happening, Lord, but I am still gonna walk by faith. I trust your word, even though I don't feel it. I believe your word just because you told me. But then what happens is, is that time happens, and time ticks on, and time ticks on, and time ticks on, and then we're like, okay, wait a second, Lord. I don't know if I could believe your word anymore because things aren't happening in my time. Faith isn't dependent on time, by the way. Faith is always assured of its outcome in the promise of God based on the nature of God, period. Faith isn't dependent on whether I receive it now instantly or I receive it gradually or if I receive it next year or a number of years. 
What I do is I believe what God says in his word, I stand on it, and that's the faith to receive what he has promised. Time can be a killer of our faith. I mean, Genesis chapter 12, God called Abram, and he gave him the promise. Genesis 15, he took Abram outside, and he said, hey, look at the stars. I just want to assure you that as many of the stars that you see, so will your descendants be. Guess what? No child. Still getting older. Getting older, by the way. He's older than 75. He had more birthdays. Genesis chapter 17, God does this. This is amazing. We're going to be turning to a New Testament passage. What's amazing to me is that in Genesis chapter 17, God does something to Abram to assure him. In Genesis 17, even though Abram doesn't see it or feel it, and time is ticking on, he does, time is just continuing. In Genesis 17, God says, Abram, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. You know what Abraham means? Father of multitudes. And guess what? Turn to Romans chapter 4. This is exciting. Now listen, you may be here today and say, you know what, I, I, I am done praying for what God has promised in his word because I haven't seen it yet. It's been, it's been a year. It's been two years. It's been five years. And, and I don't see what God has promised for me. And so what happens is we remove our faith and we don't believe God anymore because we're so stuck on what we see and what we feel and time is ticking on and the enemy comes in and says, has God indeed said this? God has... He hasn't said that to you. He hasn't promised that to you. If God were promising it to you, you would have already had it. And if you had enough faith, you would have had it instantly. And so because you don't have it instantly, you are a terrible son or daughter of God, and now you're condemned and accused by the, the accuser of the brethren. And he speaks this way to us, and he changes the nature of God, even in the midst of our struggle of when sight and feelings and time come against us and what we're praying for, what we're believing for, and the promise of God. But in Genesis chapter 17, he changes Abram's name to Abraham, and God begins to call him Abraham and says, you are now the father of multitudes. Now look at Romans 4. Look at what Paul says about Abraham in John, I mean, Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise that he, that Abraham, would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there's no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, and not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him, or God, whom Abraham believed. God, who gives life to the dead... And he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Let's say that one more time. Who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believed. So that he became the father of many nations according, listen, according not to what was seen, 
not to what was felt, not to how long time took, but according to what was spoken, period. So shall your descendants be. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, Paul says, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise, everyone say promise, of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to, to perform. Abram was given the promise to be a father of many nations, that in him all the nations would be blessed. He was 75 years old. The fulfillment of the promise of God took 25 years to be manifested in the natural realm, but it didn't mean that it was because it wasn't natural in the natural realm yet, that it wasn't true, that it wasn't a promise, that God wasn't leaving his holy nature, his trustworthy nature behind. What God said was true, even though Abram didn't see it, even though he didn't feel it, and even though he had to wait 25 years, he believed God because he believed his nature, and he believed that God, what he says, is completely perfect, holy, and trustworthy. And so what does that do for us? This means something very important. This means that whatever you're promising God for, you may be in shackles spiritually. You may have an addiction here tonight. You're addicted to something, and you feel like you can't get free from. Maybe tonight you feel like, man, I have been sick for too long, and I need God to touch me. I know he is Jehovah Rapha. I know he's still the healer. I know he took my sickness on the cross. I know he has fully redeemed me. I know I'm not under the curse of the law of sin and death anymore. I, I need a touch from God, and you're believing God, but you've been believing God because you don't see it, because you don't feel it, and because time is taking too long, you have set it aside, you have strayed a little bit away from God, and if not strayed away from God, you have just taken that compartment of your life and you have set it aside and said, it must not happen, God's not gonna do what he says in this area. And so what God wants you to understand tonight is that as he changed the name of Abram to Abraham, he, he spoke to Abraham and he called Abraham the father of the multitude before he saw the multitude. In other words, God was speaking to Abraham based on God's promise and what God said of him rather than what Abraham saw himself in the natural. And we have to understand that when we look at the word of God and we're wondering why isn't things happening, why can't I get the promise of God, it doesn't nullify his promise. It doesn't mean that God is not gonna supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you can't have the peace that surpasses all understanding in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean that. Just because you don't see it or feel it and time has taken a long time perhaps for you doesn't mean that God has set aside his word and said, you know what, my word is true, but just not for you. That is the enemy. He's painting the wrong picture of God. And what he is trying to do is to keep you from exactly what God wants to do in your life right now. And so tonight when we come and you come and we're gonna pray for you, I'm gonna pray for a few things as you come up here and we're just gonna let God do what he wants to do, the Holy Spirit do. And as we pray and as we believe, we have to understand that we are believing God because he said it and only because he said it. 
God wants you to get to the point where you just trust what he says, and that's it. If you don't see proof, if you don't see something happening now, if you don't feel it now, if time is ticking on, we must understand that our name has been changed. You are, listen, your name was changed when you became born again. You are now a new creation. You are now, listen, you are now free in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, whom the Son set free is free indeed. God has changed your name. And you say, yeah, but how has he changed my name if I don't see it? Listen, he, cha- he called Abraham the father of the multitude before he had the multitude in the natural. God wants you to see yourself the way he sees you. And he wants you to believe the word that he says rather than the enemy trying to make you to doubt or your own voice trying to talk yourself out of what God has promised in your life. Some of you here today, you feel like you're not worth even the promise of God. That is baloney in Jesus' name. We, are, we saw this morning that it is, we have been redeemed not by corruptible things like silver or gold or by aimless conduct, but we have been redeemed with the precious, costly, valuable blood of Jesus Christ. Remember this, this as we talked about this morning. You are so valuable to God that all the money in the world couldn't buy you, couldn't ransom you from captivity. You are so worth to God that all your good works can't even amount close to saving you. You are so valuable to God that it took the blood of God to be poured out on that cross. Because his blood is what paid for the promise that is yours today. And so can we close our eyes tonight? I pray that you believe what God says and how important it is. See, this is why the enemy doesn't want us in his word. Because if we're in his word, we see his promise and we see the life-giving power that is given to us in our life. Years ago, it was a few years after my wife and I were married. You could close your eyes or open them. It doesn't matter. I want you to fall asleep. <laughs> when my wife and I were married, a few years after we were married, obviously we just naturally, we wanted a family. And I'll never remember those words by the doctor. You ain't having kids. Not happening. We're like, what? He goes, listen. He said, I could give you stuff. You know, stuff. I could give you medicine, and we're, we're just really starting to do some things medically, and, and I want to be honest with you. The doctor basically just discouraged us. He says, I, it's, it's really probably not going to work. I'm just letting you know that you, you're not going to have children. And so my wife and I, it's such a testimony. I talk a little bit about it in the devotional. And so we, we went home. We're, we're devastated. How many would be devastated with that? And did you know, by the way, that faith doesn't mean that you can't cry to God and pour your heart out to God? I just want to say that to you, that he's an amazing God who loves you, who's so full of grace and mercy and tenderness, that he wants to hear you just sob like a baby before him and say this. You could, listen, you could tell on God. You could say, this isn't fair, this hurts, I, I don't like this, and God is going to comfort you. He's a comforter. I love this about God. And so the doctor said, you're not going to have children, and so we just decided, especially especially my wife, the fierce warrior that she is in the Lord, she said, we're not going to take anything. She said, God's going to do it. And it's going to be a testimony to people wherever we preach, wherever we speak, and wherever we minister. God's going to heal. And so we trusted God. We had a peace about it. It doesn't mean it wasn't hard. It doesn't mean that we didn't go through things. It didn't mean that we had to get into, our, into the word and 
and stand on his promise and stand on his word and, and to stand on him as a healer. But we did and we did. And you know, a year goes by. Lord, we're trusting in you. No children, two years, no children, three years, no children, four years, no children. <laughs> and, we, and I remember going to my wife after four years and because I'm a man of faith and power, I said, are you sure you don't want to listen to the doctor and have him give us something? <laughs> and I remember the look of my wife. I'll never forget that look. It was, like, it was like the anointing was on my wife. She said, no, God's going to do it. God promised us. He led us. And I'm not saying, by the way, that you can't take medicine. God was speaking to us in our situation, what he wanted to do with us. And so what we were, we were believing God for that because he spoke to our hearts. And so with the fifth year, thank the Lord that the Lord answered prayer. There was a miracle. And I went, Caleb, stand. Noah. Thank you. Got an 18-year-old and a 13-year-old. And the doctor said we wouldn't have them. But guess what? The word of God said that I am a healer and that you could trust me. And even though you don't see it, and even though you don't feel it, and even though it's taken time, it doesn't mean that my word isn't true. You can trust who I am. You can trust my word. You can trust exactly my nature. Just hold on. Have faith in me. Love me. Trust me. And watch what I do. The manifestation came. But let me tell you something. We had to believe the word of God and his nature. And yes, it wasn't easy. Yes, it, could have, it was hard at times. But we were so thankful that God healed and gave us two beautiful children. What am I saying that for? If I can have the worship team up here, close your eyes for a moment. I just want to say this to you this, uh, tonight, is that I don't know what you're believing God for. I'm telling you that I was praying for this weekend and praying for you, talking with some of you, and I know that the enemy is really working some of you over, trying to deceive you on things, and and, and there are some dark areas of your life that need to be uh, absolutely overcome by the power of the blood of Jesus and his name and through the Holy Spirit. I know there are some of you here today that, that really need a touch from God. And I am here to encourage you here today that we don't need to doubt God anymore. I think, Morningstar Fellowship, it's time to rise up like never before and believe the word of God. To stand up and say, God, you said this, we're following we're gonna follow you no matter if it doesn't look like it makes sense or feel like it makes sense. Even though it may be taking some time, God, we are, put, we are drawing a line in the sand and we're saying we ain't budging until we see the promise of God. Because Lord, I know you are faithful, you're loving, that you provided all that I need and you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I ask or even think because of the power that works in us and through us. I know that God is going to do that for you tonight. The question is, as your eyes are closed, what is it that you need? If you're here tonight and you have never asked Jesus Christ into your life to save you, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. We looked at that this morning. All have sinned. They have all fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned before God. We are all guilty before him, a holy God. But God loves us so much that he paid the price for your sin on the cross so that you would never have to experience eternal separation from God. You would never have to experience what the Bible talks about and we looked at a little bit this morning about hell because he loves you so much. He came to rescue you and save you. And you're not saved by doing good works. 
You don't, you're not saved by cleaning your life up. You're saved by coming to the Savior who sufficiently paid for your salvation. And he loves you so much. Freedom doesn't start until you have come to know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior. And I want to ask you, if you're here today, you've walked into this church, or maybe you've been to this church a few times, and you say, I've never asked Christ into my heart to save me for, for promised eternal life. If that's you here tonight, can you just slip up your hand and say, I have never asked Jesus into my heart ever before, and I want to be saved. I want to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. Can you slip your hand up with every eye closed? All right, thank you. Can we just pray this tonight before we have a call on what God wants to do? Can we pray the prayer to receive Jesus Christ into our lives tonight? Can we do that out loud together? Can we just pray, Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Lord, I confess I have sinned against you. But Jesus, thank you that you love me so much. I believe you died on the cross. Thank you that the blood was shed for me. And I believe that you rose again and that you're alive forevermore. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. I receive you and I trust you only to forgive me and to make me your son or daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? Hallelujah. God is so good. I'll tell you, if you've been saved, you've been born again, the Bible says that you have crossed over from death into life, that you are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come, and freedom has just begun in, in your life. I want to ask you tonight, if every head bow and eye closed here today, I want to call number one, God spoke to me and just called two things here tonight. You're going through something, and tonight you are an emotional roller coaster. In other words, there are things mentally and emotionally that you are trapped by, that you are chained by, that you are held by the enemy, that you feel captive by. In other words, tonight there are, man, you are so depressed. You have, you have thought of things that, to hurt yourself, harm yourself. And God is saying, that is not the way. I'm here to free you. You're here tonight, and, and you are so fearful. You're so anxious. There are things in your life that you're struggling with uh, emotionally. You're, you believe in the lies that, that you are condemned, that you're unworthy. Maybe uh, as I spoke to the men, I talked about Gideon, and I talked about you feel inferior, inadequate. You're intimidated. You're insecure in your life. There's just something in your heart. There's something that when you continue to live your life, you just don't feel free emotionally, you don't feel free mentally. Uh, you are, uh, I, I just, you know, I'm just sensing just, there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear. I could sense a lot of fear in people tonight. I don't know what you're scared of, but but you have some, you have fear, and it's not just fear, anything emotional. I wanna ask you is, is, is as the worship team just continues to play on their instrument, worship to the Lord, can I ask you, if that's you here tonight, I want to do something. Can you come to the altar? Will you be bold enough to come here? I want to just say to you tonight,
that there's nothing to be ashamed of what we are praying for here tonight. How many here tonight, you have dealt with emotional baggage in your life? Raise your hand. We are all raising our hand, right? I want you to just come forward, come to the altar, and I'm gonna pray. This is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray over you publicly, and then I'm gonna call something else that I felt the Lord wants to call up to the altar. I'm gonna pray over you publicly, and then after we do this, I just feel led of the Holy Spirit tonight. Well, I want the worship team to, to worship the Lord. You can worship the Lord with us, that those of you in the congregation. But my wife and I, we're gonna be praying over you tonight personally. I want God to do amazing things in your life. There's emotional captivity, fear, anxiousness. You feel condemned, you feel unworthy. You feel, listen, you just feel, overall you feel broken. You just feel broken. And you feel like, um, you know, the, you just feel like the enemy's really got you down. You feel like there's no way out. And you just, you're like, my heart's broken. Did you know that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted? That he is with you? Maybe tonight you are struggling with loneliness. Oh, you feel so lonely. Oh, you're lonely. You cry out to God, I'm so lonely. I need this and I need that and this needs to fulfill me. No, you need to know the presence of God that will free you here tonight. So I want those of you who are here that you feel just broken emotionally, mentally in your life, I want you to raise your hands to the Lord. Raise them like this. You know what I love about when we do this? It's a sign of surrender to the Lord. <laughs> it's a sign of surrender where God does what only he can do. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit's gonna empower you. He's gonna free you. There are chains that are, even right now as you're lifting your hands to the Lord is a sign of surrender to him. You're looking to him. There's even chains beginning to break in your life. Fear is going away. This, listen, the spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for those who are here at the altar and they are crying out to you for emotional freedom in their hearts. There's bro they're broken. There are some past experiences that are even hard to talk about. Lord, there are people that are here that are in front at the altar in your presence that are saying, Lord, I come to you. I come to you because I need healing. God, I thank you that you are greater than these emotions and these feelings that are taking them captive. Lord, I thank you that the truth will set them free. And Lord, I pray in your word that your word will set them free tonight. I thank you, God, that you are a comforter. I thank you that you never leave them, that you never forsake them. But I pray in Jesus' name, even now, that they will be set free from emotional baggage, from emotional bondage. I come against lies that come against them. Lord, I pray against the enemy in their life, even right now. Satan, you have no control over these people, your child, the children of God. And Lord, we're thankful that you are freeing them, that there are weights that are being lifted off of them as they give them to you. Lord, we're thankful that we could cast all of our burden on you. We could cast all of our anxieties on you. That word cast, literally in the literal language, means that we throw it on them. We throw it on them. We throw the, the anxieties on the Lord. Throw your burden on the Lord. Throw it on the Lord. He could take it. In fact, he already took it on the cross. 
He has already given you the freedom. You don't have to carry it. Listen, be set free today. You don't have to carry this emotional bondage anymore. The Lord has redeemed you. Redemption has come to you. You have been set free. So cast it to the Lord. Lord, I thank you for your truth and your promise. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your spirit that, Lord, releases them. Release them. Hallelujah. Release them, Lord. And, Lord, we thank you for your promise. We thank you for your promise. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you that you are the God in their lives. Set them free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. For those of you who are down at the altar, I, wanna, I want you to begin doing something. This is so important. Begin to lift up your voice and thank the Lord for the freeing power of God. You say, yeah, but I don't feel it right now. You are free. Jesus said that you have been set free. Paul said, how can you live any longer in sin? You, you're, you've died with Christ. In fact, Jesus brought your pain and brought the, the emotional baggage in your life and he paid for it so that you could be set free. So begin to lift up your voice. Thank Jesus. Worship him. Begin to thank him. Lord, I thank you. I receive my healing in my heart right now. Lord, thank you that you are close to me. Thank you that you heal the brokenhearted. Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're my comforter. Thank you that you are doing a work in my life, that you are my surgeon, but you are my friend. You are my savior. You're my redeemer. You're my healer. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Just say that to him in your own personal way. Praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cross. I apply the blood of Jesus to my heart right now by faith. I receive the benefits of the blood of Jesus. Lord, I, some of you, you have baggage in your life right now because you have not accepted. You're born again, but you don't believe you're worthy to be forgiven. Listen, none of us are worthy to be forgiven in ourselves. It is the grace of God. God makes you worthy because of the blood of Jesus. He loves you. God demonstrates his own love that even while we were sinners, even when we were enslaved and broken, he died for us. How much more does he love you as a precious son or daughter? Receive the full forgiveness. There's some of you up here, you need to receive the full forgiveness of the Lord. You are free. Listen, the grace of God allows you not, listen, Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind and I move forward now in Christ Jesus. Some of you, you gotta start walking by faith, by moving forward now. You gotta leave those things behind. Leave those hurts behind. Leave those, those, those things behind that are keeping you bound and begin to move forward. It is the grace of God that empowers you, that gives you the freedom and allows you to do that. So some of you here today, you gotta receive the grace of God for your life. You need to receive the love of God like never before. God's love for you is unconditional. It is eternal. God has never moved an inch of love in your life. So I want you to receive the love of Jesus as you're lifting your hands and you're surrendering your hurts to God. You're surrendering your heart, your emotions, the lies that the enemy's been tra trapping you with. Listen, you are giving those to God, but guess what? God wants to fill you. Now you need to say, Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. Say that, say, Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. Fill me with your presence. What I empty, as I empty the garbage, as I empty the lies, fill me with your truth. 
Fill me, Lord, I need your love. Lord, fill me with your love today. I thank you that you love me. Fill me with your love. Oh, just, just enjoy the refreshing presence of God even right now. Just enjoy his presence. Oh, yes, those things. Listen, fear is leaving you right now in Jesus' name. You, there is no need to be anxious anymore. There's no need. The anxiousness is gone in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Some of you, you are so fearful. I'm telling you, there is terror. There, there are demonic attacks of terror on you. I don't know who you are, but in the name of Jesus, those end tonight because of the blood of Jesus Christ over your life, because of his promise of his presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship him. Just thank him. Thank him and worship him. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Just continue to worship him. My wife and I will be praying for you in just one moment. I want to I wanna, I wanna call a second group here tonight. And tonight, you are dealing with something physical. There's a physical element. There's a disease that you're dealing with. There is... Um, something in your body that you just, listen, you need healing. You just need physical healing. You need, a, you need the healing power of God over your life. As we pray, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is our prayer. And you're like, man, I'm praying. I need healing. I, ha I have cancer. I got asthma. I got something in my joints that gives me excruciating pain. It might be your back. I don't care what it is. I want you to stand up and come forward to this altar right now. Come on. You say, I need healing. You, you might be already here anyway. You might be here from your emotional baggage. That's fine. Stay up. Say, I need healing. I need healing. Listen, God revealed himself in the Old Testament as a healer. That's his name. That's his nature. That literally means Jehovah Rapha. That means he's a physician. Isaiah 53, 5, the Bible says that he bore our sin, but he also paid for our sickness and our pains. Matthew 8, 17, it talks about Isaiah 53, four and five and, and says that he bore our sicknesses and he took on our infirmities and by his stripes that we are healed. Did you know that the, Jesus, when he died on the cross, his blood paid for your healing. He took your disease so that you could be healed. He was your physical substitute on the cross. He took, listen, he took the whole curse of sin on the cross to give you healing. If that's you here, come up to the altar and we're going to pray over you publicly. And I want you to raise your hand before the Lord even right now. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for healing in bodies even right now. Lord, I thank you that there is nothing too difficult for you. Lord, forgive us as your children where we fail to believe radically in the healing power of God. Lord, forgive us for seeing things with our own eyes, feeling things with just what we feel, and we forget the healing power of God because we see time taking place that's maybe too long and we don't see things happening. Lord, we trust in your word. In fact, Lord, we thank you for your word. And you said, you said in your word, I sent my word and I healed their disease. Lord, we thank you. I want you to receive the healing even right now. Say, Jesus, by faith I receive healing for my body. 
I apply the blood of Jesus to my life in this area by faith. I thank you, Jesus, that you sufficiently, fully paid for my healing in my body in Jesus' name. Now, some of you, the enemy's coming in right now and he's saying, listen, this person passed away, you prayed for healing, they didn't get healed. Or this, this, and this, and this happened, and you didn't see healing. And so the, he's, the enemy's lying to you and saying, this is not the nature of God. But listen, we have to get past our sight, we have to get past our feelings, and we have to get past time, and we have to believe God instead of the enemy that says, the enemy says, has God indeed said this? And you say, yes, God has said that by his stripes, I am healed. The apostle Peter wrote, he says that by your stripes, you were healed. And because he looked past, in the past of the cross, Isaiah saw the future, but Peter said, listen, I understand you were healed by the stripes of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord, in the name of Jesus is the beggar in Acts chapter three. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I say, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and be healed. Lord, we speak your word and we speak your name with power and authority. We thank you for your healing. We thank you, Jesus, the blood. Just say this for those who need physical healing. Jesus, thank you for the blood. Come on, say it out loud. Say, Jesus, thank you for the blood that has healed me. You have forgiven me, but you have healed me. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not, forget, don't forget. Forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all my sin and heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from destruction. And so, Lord, we receive healing even right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for your healing power that's here because you're here. <laughs> and Lord, we look to you in Jesus' name. We look to you in Jesus' name. So those of you who are here, you're up at the altar. My wife and I are gonna lay hands on you. I know you're a lot, but we're gonna be laying hands on you, church leaders. You could lay hands on them and pray with authority, but we're gonna pray for you. You tell us what you need, we're gonna pray over you, but as you do, I want the worship team just to worship the Lord. For those of you who are in your seats, just worship the Lord. As we worship the Lord, I wanna tell you something, as we worship the Lord and for who he is, the enemy takes flight. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it when we worship. He doesn't like it when we praise. Listen, Paul and Silas praised in prison. They didn't see it, they didn't feel it. Time was ticking, they were hurting, but they began to pray and they began to praise and God's presence showed up and the prison was shook and their chains fell off because they worshiped God. They worshiped him, they worshiped him. They praised him in the middle of their chains. They praised him in the middle of their prison. But as they began to worship God, God moved, his presence touched, and they were never the same in that moment. Let's worship him in Jesus' name.